afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Rebel News live stream on this, a Tuesday, June 14th, 2022. I'm David Menzies, and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Folks, do you know that today is National Pop Goes the Weasel Day? But my friend likes to call it National Patrick Brown Day. She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? David, what am I supposed to do for National Pop Goes the Weasel Day? Like, <laughs> What is required of me? You're supposed to hang around some shady uh, businesses and secret campaign office uh, offices and uh, see if uh, Patrick Brown, who, by the way, has an op-ed piece in the National Post today. And Sheila, if you were to read it, this is the worst thing I can say about the sneaky one, the full-time mayor of Brampton, or as you like to call him, the part-time arena slash beaver inspector. If you read that op-ed piece, that column he wrote, it could just as easily have been written by Justin Trudeau. You remember that ad when you had a whole bunch of people, I think it was for ABC Laundry Detergent, and they were going, can you tell the difference? I can't yeah. tell the difference or, you know, between the bargain brand ABC detergent and the uh, the high-priced Tide brand of detergent. Um, this is the opposite of detergent. This is slime, right? <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it is just amazing. And we do have a, a little update uh, to announce on the um, proposed crim criminal harassment charges that this guy. he wanted filed against Lincoln J and I for following him into a police station. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll get, you know to what? <laughs> it's true. You know, like hold up a picture of Patrick Brown and a pat, a picture of Justin Trudeau. Can you please tell me the difference? No, there is no difference. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, I think on this issue, Patrick Brown might be a little further to the left than Justin Trudeau, if that's even possible, because Justin Trudeau just wants to censor you. Yeah. Patrick Brown wants to criminalize the act of journalism. You know what? Great, great point, uh, Sheila. And it makes a mockery of the fact that he's running for the Conservative Party of Canada. I mean, the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario, they came to their senses in January 2018, just six months before the provincial election, and, uh, you know, got this weasel to go to do that walk of shame, that Cersei walk of shame from Game of Thrones down the back stairs of Queen's Park into that filthy salt-covered minivan. Oh, what an inglorious ending for the man who would be premier. But to think that if he's too left, if he's too wacko jacko for the Ontario PCs, for the federal conservative party, uh, this would be a disaster to have this man. And the only reason we're talking about him, I, I, when you have a national pop goes the weasel day. And by the way, what do you do on national pop goes the weasel day? That's what I'm day? saying. <laughs> Who what am I supposed to do? And I'm not making them up. Uh, folks, if you want to fact check me, please go to the Googler machine and you'll find out that uh, these things actually do exist. But enough about the sneaky one for now. Uh, let's hear from the charming one in terms of what it is we're trying to do, uh, Sheila, with this live stream. Yes. What is it exactly that we're trying to do? Um, this is the Rebel News Daily live stream. Uh, Olivia, can you tell me, are we on all platforms today or are we just on YouTube and Rumble? 
Okay, so we're just on YouTube Rumble and Super U this morning. We stream on YouTube, however, there may come a time where we have to cut the YouTube feed um, because that it's a censorship platform. There's certain things that we cannot talk about over there. For example, we cannot talk about whether or not we think our public health officer is right or if we think they're crazy and just making it up as they go. Um, we also cannot talk about election integrity over there um, or they will kill our YouTube channel. So we are oh, stream, sorry. If I may interject in terms of election integrity, uh, you can't talk about the 2020 U.S. federal election right. yes, uh, yes, yes. being uh, <laughs> allegedly rigged or uh, smitten with fraud. Right. The 2016 U.S. election. Right. Oh, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> That's, okay. That's stolen. Yeah. That's fine. Um, it's the same way that if uh, left-wing <laughs> protesters go into the Capitol buildings, yep. that's a protest. But if right-wing protesters do it, that's an insurgency. Yeah, and it's always <laughs> mostly a, peaceful, even though the reporters are ducking out of the way of Molotov cocktails. <laughs> literally standing in front of a burning building. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but anyway, what a world. So, yeah, you know, they keep being terrible and I keep having a job. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, um, so we start off on YouTube. We may have to cut the feed, but in the event that we do, no worries. If you are watching us on YouTube, why don't you migrate over to one of the other platforms where we stream? We're having a little bit of difficulty collect connecting to all of them today, but we are on Rumble and Super U as well. And on both of those platforms, you can support the work that we do completely willingly through, some, through a paid chat. On Rumble, the paid chat is called a rant. Leave us a paid chat, David or I, probably me, we'll read it on air and then we'll discuss. Um, and on Super U, it's called a Super U Shout. And it's a great way to support the work that we do completely willingly and take the show in whatever direction you want. And I think that's all the loose ends tied up. I yeah. want to talk about the big girl who wants to ride a horse and oh. abuse a horse before we get into the <laughs> everything that we want to talk about today. Because there's so much, um, particularly with the vaccine mandates for air and rail travelers mm. uh, potentially falling, um, predicted to fall today. Um, but just for the fun of it, um, can we throw that article up, please? There, I just saw this this morning and I thought someone's getting mugged by reality. So this lady whom I've never seen before, her name is Remy Bader. She's a TikTok star because that's apparently a thing. Uh, she's known for her realistic clothing haul videos. Again, apparently that's a thing. Uh, she claimed during a recent trip with other influencers, apparently, again, being an influencer is a thing, that a ranch wouldn't allow her to ride their horses due to her weight. And so I guess the implication here is that this is discrimination. Um, but this is where reality meets uh, body positivity and body positivity loses. This is where the rubber meets the road. Um, the horses and their ability to carry your girth, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Social justice does not affect that. Um, and you don't have a self-esteem right to abuse an equine. Um, but that's... Basically, people who don't know any better right now on the internet are very upset that the rancher, the owner of this horse, didn't allow this obese, and I use that term medically, 
woman to get on a horse and harm it because usually like for most riding horses with the exception of a few breeds like draft horse breeds and bigger horses it's 20 percent of the of their body weight is what they can carry and that's about 250 pounds so we know she's more than 250 pounds so i again i use the word obese medically here um, but yeah, you don't have a right to abuse a horse just because you're in the body positivity movement. But, you know, Sheila, um, we have to know the known knowns and the known unknowns here. It's hard to tell from that photo how much she weighs. Um, you know, well, honestly, it's a, it's 250 pounds. Plus, it is. So we sure. do know she's 250. Well, pounds. In fact, the only thing I can it tell has to be it has to be because the rancher is not going to say. Um, you know, like he's paid to give you a ride on the horse. He's not going right. to turn down the money. Um, he's obviously turning down the money from this influencer who took to the internet to cry about it, that, you know, you're not going to get to harm my horse today. Yeah. The only thing I could tell from that photo is this woman is appropriating uh, Power Girls costume from the DC universe. And uh, if you don't know who that is, again, go to the Googler machine and uh, you'll find out what I'm talking about exactly. Yeah, it looks like there's a bit of uh, junk in the trunk there uh, now that we have the uh, full meal deal of the photo. So basically, these are people, I presume during the pandemic, Sheila, that were telling us to follow the science. And yet when it comes to following the science of a obese woman, there's no other way to sugarcoat it. If she's that weight and that height, uh, she is clinically or by definition obese. Well, what do you want to do? You want to... Um, hurt the horse you want to break its back and by the way um where is PETA on this file they're so outraged Don't. about they'll come along and euthanize that horse <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah that, that's right PETA, PETA kills animals.org uh for more on that file but really um why aren't they making us think about this in defense of the farmer because he is being kind to animals here and being yep. vilified for it yeah, he's literally being vilified for it. She took to her social medias to complain um, about how she's being discriminated against because, I guess, because this rancher had regular horses and not Clydesdales for her. Well, thank God it wasn't a Shetland pony we're talking about. <laughs> okay, yeah. then. So there's a Is this uh, her complaining? Oh, shout out. Um, I thought it was shootout. Uh, that might come when Antifa comes a call in. Who knows? For uh, making me leave because <laughs> I weigh over 240 pounds. So this is her admitting that she's clinically obese. And also another consideration in this is that this horse probably has 40 pounds of tack on. So that's everything plus the saddle, usually about 20 to 40 pounds there. So we're going to have a horse lugging around 300 pounds and 240 plus of it is her ample girth. Um, sorry, but you don't get to abuse a horse because you have self-esteem issues and that you're a body positivity TikToker. Like this is yeah. one of those rare instances where um, besides diabetes, these people get mugged by reality. And Sheila, that is the conversation to have with this woman. And it's this, are you really that selfish? that you would hurt an animal, maybe Apparently. permanently and, put it and, out of command. Yeah. And she wants to sh name and shame this rancher for being defensive of his horses. 
So, Sheila, I haven't checked out the debate online, but please tell me the majority of people are coming to the defense of the rancher and his protection of his livestock, which is his livelihood. Please tell me the, you know, social justice warrior mob isn't on her side in terms of saying, yeah, that horse uh, should have potentially been crippled so that her self-esteem wasn't hurt. Well, what, how is it playing out? It's about a 50-50 split. Oh. Yeah, people who, uh, I guess to use the words of Ben Shapiro, people who ascribe to the facts don't care about your feelings mantra, they're like, yeah, you can't just can't just hurt a horse. Um, <laughs> but other people are saying, you know, this is discrimination. Uh, it's a horse. It's not like an airline seat. This is a horse. It's a living thing. Um, and, you know, I'm, uh, I, of course, I naturally believe that like, Humans are the top of, you know, the animal kingdom, but you can't go around hurting animals unnecessarily. These are the same people who will say, though, out of the other side of their mouth, hunting is animal cruelty and <laughs> don't eat meat because that's animal cruelty. And it's like, well, excuse me, you want to flatten a horse? Unbelievable. You know, I think I'll even reach out to PETA and see if they have a statement on this. I, maybe they'll have to be twisted into a pretzel to Again, come up they'll with come something. and euthanize that horse. They'll show up with the like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I better <laughs> not. Death injection. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. But, you know, and, and I just want to say this about the body positivity movement. And I'm speaking here as a heterosexual male. I don't buy into the whole media generated perfection of a woman, i.e. the supermodel. To me, those look like the physiques of teenage boys. These women look like they're starving. I want to shove a donut down their mouth. Um, I think most heterosexual males uh, prefer women to be curvy. But have, having said that, it's all in moderation. You know, if you go all out fat, if you go obese, as Sheila was saying, folks, uh, what are you risking? You're risking diabetes. You're risking heart disease. You're risking so many problems. And by the way, you're, if you're looking at me right now and saying, oh, look at uh, Menzoid, skinny mini lecturing us. No, I'm fat. And the only reason I'm not circus fat is because I get my ricotta cheese candy ass on a bicycle at least five or six days out of a week. That's why... I don't like it some days. I have to force myself like the last several times. Still, you have to do it. When we cater, uh, Sheila, to the lunatic fringe that eat as much as you want, be as sedentary as you want, uh, we are putting them on the route to an early grave, period. Where's the compassion there? Well, that's where I'm at. You know, live your life however you want, however you want, eat however you want. That's fine. But let's not consider you a, a health influencer, if you yeah. will. Like, like let's, let's, let's not, um, just because you don't feel bad about yourself and I don't want people to feel bad about themselves, but also I'm Catholic. So I think shame is a highly effective feeling. <laughs> it keeps you on the straight and narrow sometimes. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, I'm with you that it is, um, a, a, a sweet, sweet lie to tell people that, you know, that, you know, you're healthy at every size. That's just, it's not scientific. It's just, they tell me to follow the science. I'm following the science. It's just not healthy. I'm sorry. It's not, uh, you know, the, the nicest thing to hear. Um, but it is true. And I, mm -hmm. I, I come from the side of the equation where I want everybody to feel good and their body to do the thing that they want it to do. 
Um, that's where I'm at on this. And by telling people that, you know, just, you know, do whatever you want and eat whatever you want. Again, I don't want to make it illegal and I don't want warning labels on food. I think I'm pretty clear about that. But I think to be fair, let's not ignore the science here. Yeah, I want a warning label on the horse's ass saying that. And I'm talking about the <laughs> livestock here, folks. Oh, not weight the, limit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, caution, you know. And and again, what's with that uh, pseudo Power Girl top? And by the way, if anyone in the studio can conjure up an issue of Power Girl, uh, you'll know exactly know. what I'm talking about because uh, I know that, that, that seemed really odd. And the way that photo was cropped, I think, Sheila, uh, it made you look, it made it seem to me that this was not an overweight person. I think that was uh, uh, deliberate perhaps. By design, yeah, by design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because until you showed me the uh, the whole enchilada, so to speak, uh, it looked like this is a person that's had a, a too few on more enchiladas that she should be eating. So. Yeah. And, and just so the viewers at home know, every time I see David in person, he tells me to eat more. Every single time. I tell you, you I'm what? Sorry? You tell me to eat more. Every single time oh. I see you, you say, Sheila, you're too thin. Sheila, you're too thin. Every single time I see you, without Sheila, fail. You you have to admit, you have lost a lot of weight. I, I, I don't think to so. To me, to me, perfect <laughs> Sheila was the 2018 edition. You know, uh, it was. Um, that's rude. <laughs> no, that's you know, rude. And then you, I, then you fell in love with a treadmill. And I've always been in love with the treadmill. <laughs> and but I'm have, falling out of love with you real fast. And you know <laughs> what? And I'm telling you, Sheila, just like in moderation with the donuts and uh, the fast food meals, in moderation with the uh, the treadmill, because I'm afraid. Um, you're like that movie from the 60s, uh, The Incredible Shrinking Man, although you're a woman, of course, although maybe you're identifying as a man. It is pride right now. But I in any event, <laughs> you're just shrinking before my eyes. I'm getting scared. <laughs> Speaking of getting scared, we should move away from this topic before uh, Mr. Operations Manager comes in and is like, cut the feet, cut the feet, get the hook. That's never a good uh, thing when uh, when when the uh, management glares at me through the uh, the glass. I have to go into my Johnny LaRue mode. Uh, oh, please, <laughs> Mr. Gallo, please. One more chance. <laughs> Let's uh, move into Adam Vancouverden. I think is how you say his name. Oh, yes. Um, uh, because he said some less than kind things to a constituent who is, I think she was sort of stranded away from her family. And so she reached out to her MP because who else are you supposed to reach out to? And he basically tells her to F off. Not basically he did. And I'm, I'm PG ifying it tells her to F off. And then his response to that is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> says F you to Canadian woman criticizing vaccine mandates. Um, now he apologizes, but to the world, I don't think he's reached out to this lady directly. Oh no. Um, and then typical liberal, this is a learning experience for all of us. And apparently it's been real hard on him too. The mandates he put in place have been real hard on him. Well, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, let's read this because he tells this lady to go F you. Let's bring it back up because the gall of this guy says last week, I let my emotions get the better of me. And I responded in an unacceptable way to a direct message. And I regret that 
I want to apologize to the person I offended with the message and anyone else I've let down. I realized the past two years, this is my favorite. I realized the past two years have been exceptionally difficult for everyone and moving forward, <laughs> I will work to be more patient and conduct myself with the high standard people deserve from their elected representatives. The last two years have been difficult because of the rules you people brought in. Yeah. So he creates, he's complaining that his own pressure cooker that he created is to pressure cookery for him. Yeah. And, and she a break for everyone. Um, not for everyone. Uh, the bureaucracy never lost uh, a single hour's worth of work. People in government didn't. Uh, in fact, in many cases, they voted themselves raises, uh, yeah. making a mockery of we're all in this together. But, you know, I will say this, Sheila, I'm going to give uh, you know, him a tip of the hat in terms of actually making an apology because... You might recall that back in the 1970s, uh, Trudeau classic, as opposed to new Trudeau, Justin, he said the F word in Parliament and he lied through his teeth saying what he actually said was fuddle duddle. Um, <laughs> yeah. a, a common, word that common confusion. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, Sheila, until uh, Pierre Trudeau said the words fuddle-duddle. I don't think anyone on the planet ever said the words fuddle-duddle. Uh, he coined the word, I think, and he never took it back. He never had the decency. Everyone heard what he had to say. Uh, so the fact that uh, he would lie in, a, in addition to uttering a profanity in Parliament uh, was uh, doubly egregious in my book. So at least this guy has the sense to realize that's not an appropriate word uh, to use in Parliament. Well, he didn't use it in Parliament. He oh, sorry, no, on social media. But still, yeah, he's he a parliamentarian. Yeah, he's a, exactly. And, and, and we do expect better, I, I should think, of the people we elect. And uh, and that's why language matters. Because if anyone well, the bar says... Is pretty low. You know, the bar is pretty low oh, yeah. between the liberal MPs walking around naked twice and cursing out their constituents. <laughs> the bar is pretty low. You know? You know? <laughs> but, and and that's, and for those who say, oh, come on, she's never heard the F-bomb. She's never heard this bad word, this profane phrase, etc. No, that's not the point. If you have elected leaders, there should be a benchmark of actually using civil and decent language. We you shouldn't want... have to. You shouldn't have to pay the guy who's cursing you out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, um, you know. So really, that was. And 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 you know, I I think too, Sheila, the fact that you made a good distinction there. I, I made the mistake of saying he said it in Parliament, but it was on social media. Unlike Pierre Trudeau, who probably had an emotional outburst, but still lied about it. Uh, this uh, paddler actually went on a keyboard and typed the uh, phrase and, and press sent. sent. Yeah. <laughs> so there were many seconds of, uh, you know, coolant mode, coolant mode, <laughs> you know, that was yeah. ignored. And he still sent it. And also with the realization that, as the cliche goes, the Internet is forever. When I press send, it's it's never going to be erased. Somebody's got a screen yep. capture of it somewhere, maybe in Timbuktu or New Zealand, it doesn't matter. So once it's sent, it's matter of permanent record. I wrote it. It's no mis misunderstanding between F classic and fuddle duddle. And that really speaks to his, uh, I guess, his lack of intelligence as a communicator.
for sure. Now, I think we have a clip. Uh, Olivia whispers in my ear of, is this from the House of Commons where he's asked about this? Perfect. <laughs> Well, the Liberals are in fine form. They made a big announcement on Friday. Did they end mandates allowing people to return to work? Nope. No. Did they end mandates allowing all Canadians to travel by uh, rail and air? No. no. Their solution was to pause random COVID testing for a couple of weeks. It was a joke. So will the parliamentary secretary to the Minister of Health give us a date on when he'll end the mandates, or will he tell me to F off like he did to one of his constituents? responded in an unacceptable way to a message on social media and for that I deeply regret it. I want to apologize to the person that I offended and anybody else that I let down. I realize that the past two years have been really dif difficult for a lot of people um, but my conduct was unacceptable. We have an obligation to disagree while being disagreeable and in that regard I failed. Thank you Mr. Speaker. I think he should you know, apologize I, for his fashion sense there. So I know. many lines, you know. And, I know. It was a lot. I didn't know where to look again. It felt yeah. like with that flag we looked at the other day. <laughs> um, but, you know, <laughs> Laura Rose, Rosen Cohen, who writes for Mark Stein Online, she had the best response to this. She said, be kind to me. I'm an orphan, says the guy who murdered his parents. And that's exactly <laughs> what it is here. You, The last two years have been hard on you? Yeah, they're hard on all of us. Because of the decisions privileged parliamentarians <laughs> like you made. Yeah, oh. so don't complain that it's hard. You made it hard. You know, I heard on the sporting scene, this was a very arrogant person, not very yeah. well liked. So naturally, the career transition from paddling his kayak to becoming a member of parliament for the Liberal Party of Canada makes perfect sense. <laughs> he fits right in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now... In the other big news today, maybe we should move along to the fact that apparently today it hasn't been officially announced, or at least it wasn't officially announced before we went on air. The vaccine mandates, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Uh, they're set to be announced to be dropped today to drop tomorrow, um, it sounds like. And that's for air and rail travelers domestically. Now, you still can't get into the United States as a non-citizen without your vaccine. But um, this, if it is indeed this way, it's good news. You know, what's shocking, though, is the Minister of Transport had no idea that this was coming <laughs> because our team, you know, he, the guy has no idea about anything, though, like the mayhem unfolding in the airports. He's just like, I don't know. Um, he had no idea that this was coming. I think uh, they he was sort of caught flat footed by this. Um, and our guys, Lincoln Jay and uh, William, who is a new reporter with us, they caught him out on the streets of Ottawa yesterday at a very high dollar liberal fundraiser. I think it was a thousand dollars a plate to be a part of this. And it required a vaccine passport to be there because the liberals, even if you give them money, they don't want to mix with the unvaccinated because <laughs> you're dirty. Your money's fine, but you're dirty. Um, and they caught Omar Al-Jabra, the transport goblin, out on the street. And he had no clue what was going on. Why don't we throw to that, please? Yeah. Rebel News. What did you think of the fact that Canada is the only country with China and North Korea that doesn't allow unvaccinated citizens to travel to Clinton? 
How are you? I'm super good. How about you? I'm fine. Can you answer my question? When will the travel mandates end for unvaccinated citizens? Does Ontario have a different? Does Ontario have a different science than the federal government? Do you have like different scientists? Do you have different scientists? Are you able to answer one question, sir? You've been elected by the people. Sir, is there any? Sir, is there any hope for unvaccinated travelers to board a plane or a train? Is there any hope forever? As I said, science is. But the science changes. Ontario is not the same as the federal. Do you have different scientists? Different scientists? <laughs> sir, is there any hope for unvaccinated Some travelers point. anytime soon? China and North Korea, sir. When will it end? Is it going to be forever? <laughs> my favorite is when William waves to him in the car, like, bye. No, Sheila, um, my, my favorite is the SUV uh, moves like about three meters and hits a red light at Spark Street. Which, you know, quick getaway. I, which is a pedestrian only uh, road uh, the other way. It's normally a, a getaway. I want to commend William. He was so unflustered. And given that this polite. was his first time, polite, uh, you know, uh, he was getting non-answers and instead of but he kept uh, asking. Yeah. And he just kept asking and, and even asked, you know, the minister, uh, am I going to get an answer to my questions, which was a perfectly uh, fi fine question. And um, I, I just think that, um, you know, Omar Cotter, I mean, Omar Al-Gagra uh, looks so bad in that clip because he's just saying, have a nice night. How are you? Um, he looked like an imbecile. Uh, he is a parliamentarian. He should be able. Look at the dumb smile on his face. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I, just. I, <laughs> the, the transport goblin. It's, it really is. He's like a creature out of Lord of the Rings, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but but you should, as a parliamentarian, for goodness sakes, one of the reasons you're there is that you can communicate. You are a politician. That That's what politics is all about, Sheila. And for him to just say, you know, uh, do the Bobby Bittman, hi, how are you uh, routine for every question, uh, it's brutal. What I'm saying is William and Lincoln Jay, they looked great. He looked terrible. He's literally running away. Well, running away in terms of a O.J. Simpson Bronco slow speed. Yeah, I know. He's right. But he's running away from giving any tangible response at all. What a disgrace. Yeah. And I think, you know, people sometimes online, they give me a hard time about my lack of respect for Omar Al-Jabra. But the man is the guy behind the absolute uh, mayhem happening yep. at Toronto Pearson. Um, the... A transport ministry is the reason why that's happening. A lot of people don't know, but as a cost saving measure during the pandemic, b besides the vaccine firings, as a cost saving measure, they cut a bunch of security screeners. I think it's like 30% of the security screeners. Mm. Um, and so it's absolute chaos there. And, you know, in the rare time when the liberals try to save money, they even get that wrong. Um, and then, Six million Canadians are being discriminated against on his watch. And all he has is that blank, idiotic look on his face and like a a dumb wave out the window. So, yeah, I don't respect him. I but don't you, think he's very bright. And he is a goblin. But you know what, <laughs> Sheila? <laughs> I can't get that phrase out of my way. 
May I want to go back to something you said earlier. And this might be why he had a blank, idiotic look on his face, because it was coming from a place of honesty. And what I'm getting at is, do you think Omar, the Minister of Transportation, was somehow left out of the loop that when CBC got tipped off, it was probably by Justin Trudeau himself, the uh, chief sugar daddy uh, for the CBC and the mainstream media, and uh, maybe Trudeau forgot to say, oh, by the way, Omar, just so you know, that might have been genuine shock that he didn't know what oh, to Oh, for say. sure. You know what it reminds me of? I go back to 2019. I've got, we've got it on film. You can go into the archives, folks. When Marco Mendicino was at a synagogue in the Eglinton-Lawrence riding, uh, having a debate with the other candidates, and literally during the debate was when the Justin Trudeau blackface story broke, that infamous photo of him at that Arabian Nights uh, gala where he's got blackface. Not only blackface, black hands, too. He really black went... Black hands, yeah, black know. neck, <laughs> everything. And I went up to Marco Mendicino after the debate was uh, over, and I kept asking him questions. Um, what do you think about this? Is, is this the kind of leader that uh, you want to serve? And for once in his life, Marco Mendicino did not lie. And the reason he did not lie, uh, Sheila, is that for once in his life, he kept his big, fat, lying mouth shut so that there were no words. He looked like Bambi in the high beams of a Hummer on the 401, okay? Uh, he was absolutely shocked. And I'm getting the same vibe from how Omar oh, sure. looked. With uh, with William and Lincoln. Well, you could have euthanized uh, the confrontation there, and it wasn't even a confrontation. It was tense, but I think courteous. You could have euthanized it and taken all the air out of the balloon there if he said, if when William and Lincoln asked, you know, when, when does this end? He could have said tomorrow and slammed the door in their face and then yeah. drove nine feet or whatever it was <laughs> before he hit a red light. But um you know, he could have said tomorrow, watch for it. And that would have been the end of it, knowing full well that it had already been leaked to CBC at that point, because yep. I think the news broke it like as that was happening. But he didn't know. He obviously didn't know. I think you're right, Sheila. You know, because he also could have used the strategy of turning the tables on uh, Lincoln and William and just say, well, we're getting rid of mandates. I thought that's what your news organization has been campaigning for. You should be happy about this. Why Why are you pestering me? I've, I've acquiesced to one of your demands, right? But like, yeah. I, like you said, uh, he was left out of the loop and he's the yeah. transport minister. <laughs> I know. And William's questions were so good when he's like, do they have different scientists in Ottawa than in the rest of Ontario? Oh, like, how clearly is they do. <laughs> yeah. How is the science different? Ottawa is in Ontario. And like, it's like, how is the science different? How do, how, how is it different for you than it is for the provincial governments? And he just couldn't and, say he just waved bye-bye like Sheila, a toddler out the window. Oh, hundred percent. You know, as mom is pulling away from the daycare, there's, you know, little Omar waving out the window. And by the way, talk about getting hoisted on one's own petard. The reason why he had to do that long walk down that street uh, towards uh, Nate's Delicatessen, which is a fantastic deli. If you're downtown Ottawa, uh, go check it out, folks. But the reason is, is that the kilometer and a half or so of Wellington Street, right in front of Parliament Hill, 
is still closed to traffic, folks, even though the convoy was dismantled um, back in late February. We're now heading into July, and it's going to be like that until at least the end of the year. Ottawa City Council is saying it might be like that permanently, which is a disgrace because Parliament Hill should not be cut off from the people of Canada. We own that hill, not the Liberal Party of Canada. Yeah. And But Sheila, the irony is, is that had Wellington Street still been open to vehicles, uh, that SUV uh, could have gone and picked up uh, Omar Al-Gabra far before he did that, like, two or 300-meter walk down that sidewalk. Um, so, you know, my thanks to the city of Ottawa for putting up a hurdle for liberal politicians trying to make a quick getaway. That's good for us here at Rebel News. <laughs> What's interesting, too, is that we knew that that event was happening because they send that garbage out in a press release. But guess who the only journalists were there? Mm. You know, because yep. nobody wants to ask these people a tough question. You know, they're all going to be in attendance. Um, you know that there's actual news out there that Canadians want answers to. Um, and it's a journalist's job to hold the government to account. But there were no journalists asking these guys sure. questions. That surprises why you? That is. Well, do, no. do you bite the hand that feeds? Really? Exactly. Do you bite the hand that feeds? They, they, they know where their paycheck's coming from. It's not selling subscriptions. It's not, you know. No. Uh, no. I, I mean, and and the fact that the federal government is doing this, well, it was ever thus with CBC, but for years now, uh, the $600 million plus top up for the print media. Otherwise, that's dead on the vine. But even here in Ontario, Doug Ford giving Torstar Corporation um, a $500 million a year um, gambling license, the first online gambling license. And this is the same Torstar, publisher of the Toronto Star that Doug and his late great brother Rob Ford uh, referred to as a bunch of maggots. And now it's um, Christmas uh, every day of the year, thanks to that uh, uh, gambling license. And um, again, I think it's the Doug Ford team taking a page out of Justin Trudeau. Uh, let's buy off uh, the nastiest journalists by throwing money at the problem. Seems to have worked, uh, Sheila. Yeah, I think so. A hundred percent. And I wonder what the McLean's uh, circulation is like these days as more 80 year old dentists require or retire from the business, because that's the only place that I've seen, uh, McLean's magazine in print <laughs> form in a very long time. Oh, um, was at the dentist's office and it was like four years old. Uh, Sheila, this just in, I can tell you not even at walk-in clinics, doctor's offices, dental offices, I'm going by my experience in the last two years, are those magazines there because of, well, you guessed it, COVID. You know, we can't be passing right. around filthy germ-spreading printed materials. So they're gone. I mean, when I go to my dentist's office, uh, he's got a built-in rack where all the magazines were nicely displayed. It's been empty for two years, and I don't you think it's what? ever coming back. <laughs> that might be the only thing I'm cheering for COVID to do. <laughs> you know? Um, I, I just poked open this... Uh, Patrick Brown, National Post uh, op-ed. Oh. What what was the purpose of writing this? Well, like, what did uh, what? Where's the news peg here, as they say in the business? What was the point of writing this thing to accuse conservatives of being racist when we're not? Mm. Uh, let's just read through this really fast here, or at least some of it. Patrick Brown, 
dual loyalties trope has no place in our politics. The problematic tropes of dual loyalties or ulterior motives are two that are regularly and unfairly follow members of various groups, fueling bigotry and discrimination against some of the most marginalized. I think this is a back room defense of Theresa Town because it's so often the left says, oh, you're being critical of Theresa Town because you think that since she is from Hong Kong, she couldn't possibly be loyal to Canada. No, it's because she also works for the World Health Organization that I think she doesn't always have Canada's best interests at heart. And the World Health Organization is deeply, deeply polluted by their loyalties to communist China. It's got nothing to do with the fact that she's ethnically Chinese from Hong Kong. Anyway, let's keep reading this because uh, this, again, as you say, it could be written by Justin Trudeau or any any member of the Liberal (laughs) Party of Canada. There is an issue with how some treat the participation of minority groups in Canada's democratic process. It definitely feels as if suspicion is the default position in some in the media and politics. This is wrong. Who's he talking about here? Who feels this way? I know. Is it, it, it's not the, he, he obviously isn't referring to CBC. Is he referring to us here? Because um, we, uh, over and over again, if he's saying that, you know, like we're critical of Chinese Canadians, actually, I, I'm a fan of Chinese Canadians. It takes a lot to come here. Uh, did I just freeze up with my mouth wide open? Um, it takes <laughs> a lot to come here and be critical of the communist state from which you fled, knowing that you have a government in Ottawa that will do nothing to protect you from the tentacles of the Chinese state as they infest Canada. So you can be bullied even though you came to Canada to be free. And of all the people who are sounding the alarm bells about some policies that communist Chinese interlopers take advantage of, it's the Chinese expat community here in Canada. Yeah. Guess who were the ones that were sounding the alarm bells about anchor babies to yeah. to use uh, you know a, an American phrase? Uh, Chinese women who are and there's statistics from Vancouver hospitals about this who come here deeply pregnant to have their baby so that the baby sponsors them as citizens. And you know who keeps bringing forward that issue at the Conservative Party of Canada convention? Chinese Canadian conservatives. But I guess, according to Patrick Brown, those people are racist, accusing people of dual loyalties. Well, Sheila, one thing I have to say about uh, this odd placement of that, uh, you know, commentary is the fact that I learned over the weekend, and I have to confirm this, so, um, you know, and I'm going to look into it, but one of um, Paul Godfrey's sons is evidently connected to the Patrick Brown campaign. So, and Paul Godfrey, because the National Post is owned by yeah. Post Media, um, and so there there might be the connection of why that gets into the paper, because, you know, uh, if I was the editor, if I was the publisher, and geez, what do I know with almost 40 years of journalism under my belt, Sheila? I think the story, I think the news peg, I think the crux of the matter right now, vis-a-vis Patrick Brown, is, uh, what was it again? Oh, yeah, using paid City of Brampton senior employees to work on his membership selling campaign. Yeah. Nope, zip. Uh, we won't write about that. And uh, I did speak out 
to a reporter in that organization. I'm not going to name who that person is. Uh, but that person said uh, that story is not going to fly given the internal politics. So you see what's happening here, folks, in terms of the behind the scenes um, situation with what gets into the paper and what stays out of the paper. And the National Post is ostensibly a right of center paper. I mean, it's not bailout. It's not your father's <laughs> National Post to, you know, paraphrase the uh, Oldsmobile ad of yesterday. It's not the National Post when Conrad Black was the founder of that post. And what a fantastic paper it was. I loved freelancing for it now. Uh, now you've got basically, um, you know, woke staff within it that, well, do you remember what was it a year or two ago when they had a petition against Rex Murphy? probably the numero uno talent at the National Post um, yeah. because he did something unwokey. That's the National Post of today. So they publish this tripe, this garbage. And again, it's Patrick Brown saying anything to anyone, whether or not he believes it, whether or not he's going to mandate it. That's besides the point. It's all about the quest for power for the simple reason of he wants power. He's not about public service. He's not about making Canada better. He's not about standing up for Canadian minorities. It's me, 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 enough about me. Let's talk about me. That's Patrick Brown. Well, and this is crazy because I don't understand what prompted this to be written in the first place. I, Patrick Brown, that he writes an article accusing Canadians of being racist, yep. particularly Canadian conservatives of being racist. And then he says, but don't worry, I'm not racist and I'll lead the party out of our racism. <laughs> For example, he says, we cannot expect people to break away from their heritage or to not have opinions on current affairs from where they may have immigrated from. Well, who is saying that they can't? Yeah. Who? Who's saying that they can't? This is a reality for most Canadians as we all are immigrants save for our indigenous peoples. One of the beautiful parts of our country is the ability to maintain pride in one's roots while maintaining a deep love of being Canadian. Some only see the worst in the Chinese Canadian community, pushing them away and attempting to dismiss their diverse concerns by alleging they are simply directives from foreign bodies. Nobody is saying wait, that. Wait a minute, but who Sheila, is saying who, that? who, show me, who's the pusher? Who, who's, yeah. where, who are these people? I mean, what is he talking about? You know, that's bad journalism, by the way, because at the end of that sentence should the following sentence should uh, ha happen, Sheila, which is, for example, consider this incident, consider that. But it's it's all abstract. There's nothing tangible there. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. It's just like Canadians are racist, but I'm not. So that's why conservatives have to vote for me. And that's literally Justin Trudeau's campaign slogan. You guys are racist, but I'm not. Ignore the blackface. Vote for me. Yeah. And in Brown's case, and if you ask me any impolite questions, I will phone the police. Um, yeah. I'm going to call the 5-0. Yeah. <laughs> Okie doke. Okay, we've got a few uh, chats to read. Fantastic. And then, then we're going to go, we're going to sign off. But if people want to stay on the live stream, we're going to go straight into the announcement of hopefully the repeal of the travel restrictions. And then Ezra, 
I predict that he will take to the skies like some mighty Jewish eagle. And he, <laughs> he will fly all over the country and out to our beloved Calgary. I just, I see it. Like when I heard that it was the potentially falling today, I thought, oh, Ezra's like booking flights right now. Because he really, I think he missed flying and connecting with us and going around the country and visiting um, our journalists and the people, like the people who've supported us over the last couple of years in spite of the pandemic and the lockdown and the hit to their finances. They keep telling us to fight on. I, I, We've got a lot of thanking those people in person to do. Well, I want to tell the big boss man next time I see him, if he is going to fly out to Calgary, find out if there are flights going out of Hamilton Airport to Calgary. Uh, the time it takes to drive to Hamilton, even in rush hour, you are going to more than make up from that swamp, that slice of hell that is Pearson International Airport, where people are spending hours, in some case, uh, a couple of days. They, they sleep over in the airport to get processed, or, or, or maybe they missed their connecting flight, which is very much do rigueur these days. So... Uh, if Ezra can book that flight to Calgary out of Hamilton, um, <laughs> it is worth the drive, Sheila. I wouldn't go anywhere near Pearson International Airport. I think it is the worst airport in the world right now. In the oh, world. Oh, for sure. You know, and, oh. um, uh, you know, I would probably drive to Calgary before <laughs> going through the mess of, uh, of Pearson. But like I said, uh, drive down the QEW to Hamilton, fly out there, and uh, Bob's your uncle. Well, David, that reminds me to ask you, and since I'm doing this on air, then you can't say no. Uh, my daughter has to fly to the country for rugby in a week, and I might need you to perform a rescue mission at Pearson Airport. I would be <laughs> delighted. That's where she connects through. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you're going to be across the country away from me, stuck in the hellscape of Toronto Pearson. Good thing there's an office full of people who can come rescue you if you have to spend the night in Toronto. Sheila, you give me the day and the time. Uh, the only question I have, uh, do you want her picked up in the Green Goblin or the Red Rocket? Oh, we're going to have to go with combustion for, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now that you said it on air, you can't take it back. So anyway. No, I'd be, I'd be happy to do so. Okay, let's get to some of these chats. we got Fraser McBurney, Thank Fight you. the Finds Recidivist from... Hamilton um, with his cap locks fully engaged gives us five bucks and says, have you seen the lists of food plant fires since January, 2022? I sure have. I know Tucker Carlson's been on this case um, from, I mean, he's really been the first person who sort of put together all these food processing plants that have had mysterious fires Um in the last, I guess, six months. Speaking of fires and catastrophes, uh, I feel like I've gone back in time a little bit because Fort McMurray has a fire sort of raging mm -hmm. just outside of it, um, but it seems to be under control and Calgary Good. potential flooding. Today. Wow. So uh, that Calgary declared a state of emergency yesterday. So I don't know if they're having experiencing any uh, of the Bow River breaking its banks, but um, they're on alert. And of course, naturally, that reminds me, I should uh, send our researcher a quick note to see if you can snag any uh, environmentalists and left-wing activists who always, they say they're not religious, but they every time that there's a fire or flood, they claim it is the smite of the earth <laughs> coming after us for our climate sins. So 
Um, I always like to pay attention to those when people um, take somebody's misery and destruction and use it for their own cause. You know, Sheila, three weeks ago, we had a so-called severe weather alert. It was a storm that lasted maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, trees fell down. I mean, it was super severe. I mean, I, I guess it was close to a hurricane technically. And when you tuned into the mainstream media on TV and radio, basically the lead, well, another example that climate change or the climate crisis is real as a windstorm right. touched down in North Toronto. Sheila, these storms have been around since the inception of the planet. I mean, and they can't even make the distinction between weather and climate. And, you know, a 15 minute storm is all the proof you need that we're in a climate crisis. Give me a break. Well, and that's the thing. In fact, I've seen um, some meteorological data that shows that there are actually fewer uh, hurricanes and severe weather events in that respect. And the ones we do get... They claim fewer lives because of humans' ability to adapt and be resilient to their environment. Um, but instead of, even if climate change were happening, and even if my beautiful, comfortable SUV were doing it, I'm pretty sure we're adaptable. Like yeah. we can send people off the planet to the moon. Um, we're getting into commercial commuter space travel at this point. Pretty sure we can adapt to. Um, a 0.2% or whatever it is of global climate. And by the way, how do you even measure that? What's 2%, 0.2 of a, of a degree? How do you measure that across the surface of the face of the earth? Yeah. And I'm sure those um, contrarians are now called deniers, uh, even though they have uh, extensive qualifications to weigh in on this matter. By the way, Sheila, would, do you have any desire to go up into space? No, not at all. Really? I don't even like flying. Yeah, no, not at all. No, <laughs> I don't even like flying. I do it for work. Um, um, I'm claustrophobic, David. Remember? Like it just that. That's true. I did know, but but I mean, wouldn't being in space be the polar opposite of being in a claustrophobic uh, environment? Given that it's the solar system, the galaxy, the universe. You're just yeah, but floating I'm in around. a pod like this. I'm in a pod like this. <laughs> being crushed at least that's how i feel it'd be like putting me in a submarine the wow. vastness of the ocean is no consolation for the fact that i'm in this thing <laughs> i i my problem is i i can't afford the ticket i i think these are what uh seven or eight figure tickets to get on these uh these spaceships and uh too bad i i i'd be so i'd be so gung-ho sheila i might even wear a star trek uniform pretend i'm on in starfleet <laughs> Of I don't course know. you would. Okay, we got to breeze through these so because we got to get to this okay. thing. And I talk too much. Okay, joyful from the heart gives us a buck. Any thoughts on Leslie Lewis saying she would do a third debate if it is with the independent press? Yeah, I thought that was weird that some of the other candidates are like, I'm in for a third debate, and we're at the independent press gallery. We're over here saying, yeah, we we organized one, and you guys backed yeah. out. So I like that Leslie is saying that, pointing out, yeah. We tried to have one and you guys were too scared. Exactly. Uh, Cheryl Dawn V gives us a buck. Is a rebel investigating the Klondike papers? No, I'm not. Um, I'll look into it. I'm not sure if there's any, if that's QAnon business, um, but I will look into it when I'm not doing other things. Uh, Mick3.ca. 
uh, one buck to whoever thinks the travel ban ends for good. No, it won't unless all the elites are arrested for good. Uh, no, it's not going to happen. Word has it that in Quebec and Toronto, people are receiving the monkeypox jab. I'm not sure. Um, I didn't hear that. No, but I know that none of these people are going to be arrested. We'll be uh, for what, by the way. And secondarily, um, I don't even think we're going to get a full accounting for what happened and how things were mismanaged, let alone people be incarcerated for their role in any of it. I'm just not hopeful. I'm just not going to let them make a monkey out of me with this fact. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up. We got to go to the announcement. <laughs> okay, then. All right. Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. I think it's one o'clock right on the dot. Uh, so uh, tight show today. Uh, my thanks to Sheila Gunn-Reed, uh, the team behind uh, the boards there. That would be uh, Danny and Olivia and Efren. And thank you for all of you who made uh, Super Chats. Uh, it's how we keep the lights on here. In the meantime, two other Rebels will be here at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday. And Sheila and I will be back on Thursday. And in the meantime, as always, stay sane. <laughs>